0: Yeah, when that bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. It is time for DLC, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Linda, MetaCDN, and Hover. They made that possible, bringing the show to you, hey, Are you using our show to get you through a workout or a run right now? Are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Well, we're going to be there for you on this episode. we got lots of cool stuff to fuel your workout. DLC is the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff kanata that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, directly from his newly bearted man cave it's christian spicer hello christian
1: hello jeff wait do you hear that uh-oh
0: getting close choo, baby choo, choo,
1: choo, choo, that's the sound of a big train carrying many many people to e3 we will get to that <laughs> yes
0: we will uh we got we got an awesome show this week you know everybody always comes up and says hey jeff what does DLC stand for? And I have to reply, of course, it's your downloadable Kanata. It's your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, we are excited because DLC stands for diatribes that are lovably cranky because we have the annoyed gamer himself, the Welshman with an attitude, Mr. Marcus Beer. Our buddy. Welcome, Marcus. This is your first time on the show.
2: It is my first time. And how long did it take you to think up that deal, that version of DLC?
0: I have to admit, I spend way more time on those than I really should. It's 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 diminishing returns, but you know what? I have fun with it, so I, I, I do it. That's no, the that, reason that was it...
2: brilliant. And uh, yes, th- thank you for having me on. I know you tried to get me on a couple of months ago, and it just it actually collided with my my gym appointment and my trainer <laughs> appointment, which uh, you know it doesn't anymore. So it's, so I'm back to normal. So it's all good.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Marcus, what are you up to these days?
2: Um, Well, right now I'm sitting at a desk doing a podcast and and stroking my dog who climbed up on my lap. But uh, in general, um, I'm primarily doing a show with my old friend uh, Shane Satterfield, ex-Game Trailers editor-in-chief, who launched his new site uh, last week, Sifted.net, which is a content collation site, but it's also um, a... You know, we're doing you know original premium content for it. Uh, so we do a show called Game Face uh, once a week. It goes out live on Twitch uh, Thursday at six PM Pacific, and then it goes onto the Sifted site for members to actually uh, you know get access to and interact and post on the forums. So yeah, I'm basically that's the main thing I'm doing. I kind of, to be honest, with you, I kind of took a long break from games, and you know, I obviously last year I did a couple of uh, weekend confirmed with you and and Garnet before he you know vanished up north. Um, right. but yeah, I, I kind of like stepped away because it's 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 been a rough 18 months for games I feel. I mean it's you know obviously things last summer were a bit dodgy and it's just kind of like just not really improved for me since then. I mean this year's not really had a great you know outstanding bunch of releases. There's been a couple of you know spectaculars but we're, we're you know we're now what eighteen months into the uh, new gen, as it were, yeah, and there's nothing that's really grabbing me by the old, you know, what's and saying hello. You must play us. Uh, I mean, you know, Witcher Three came out, and I'm playing that on PC. So go figure.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get to all the stuff we've been playing, but that's a that's an interesting perspective. I I think you're right. i hopefully this E3 will be what you know, the coming out party, the sort of maturization of, of this console cycle. And we'll see games that we're all excited for, uh, that we'll, you know, we'll have to wait six or eight months more for (laughs) at least. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it gets us all jazzed. I'm, I'm ready for an exciting E3. That's for sure. Are you going to be covering E3 this year?
2: Um, I'm going to be there. Um, I just don't know what days, I mean, this is actually the first ever E3 where I have zero appointments. Mm. I am not
0: kind of nice actually, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I'm. I'm obviously going to be. Uh, we're going to be live streaming the. Uh, we're going to be watching the press conferences on Sifted, and then we're going to be live snarking via Twitter and uh, recording our or you know broadcasting our thoughts directly directly after each of the press conferences Monday uh, and Tuesday morning, and then I think I'm just going to bubble along, just see what I want to see. Um, I mean, honestly, the one thing I'm most excited for is is the Sunday night before E3. With Bethesda yeah. having their first ever press conference, and you know, I might not even need to go to E3 because I might have been might be spent after uh, <laughs> after that particular right. conference.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, uh, we got some pre E3 news to get to, so let's start the show the way we always do: with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Of the week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag, that's SOTW on Twitter, or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, Marcus, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. What would you consider your Story of the Week this week?
2: Ooh, ooh. Is this where I look at the list that you that, that you gave me?
0: Yeah, well, or whatever you want to well, bring to the table, but yeah,
2: anything. I mean, look, there, there's there, there's one story, and uh, you know that, that just really, really pops out. I mean, yeah, unless we're going to talk about FIFA. Um, in oh, fact, let's could. talk let's talk about FIFA, and let's talk okay. about FIFA and the inclusion of the female players.
0: That sounds because like a great that idea. Is, that's actually FIFA a, all over the news this week. But yeah, go yeah. Ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously FIFA corrupt bunch of so and so's in Switzerland who all should be rotting in jail cells by now. But EA and I, look, uh, anybody who watches, you know, watches anything I've done or has followed me on Twitter for any me- period of time knows I'm EA's yeah. biggest fan. You know, I like to give them the old kicking once or twice a day. Um, but I've <laughs> got to say, mad props were to do that. Uh, they added the female um, players and the female leagues. Especially with the um, women's soccer World Cup starting this weekend, um, I think it's you know something to look forward to in the next game. Uh, so yeah, I should applaud, applaud them because uh, there are so many, so many you know little girls I know. I mean, you know, daughters of, uh, of friends who actually have um, you know. Kids who play soccer, boys and girls, and why right. should they be excluded from the world's biggest game? And anybody who is, uh, you know, it, there's been the usual collection of, um, you know, basement dwellers who have been, you know, moaning that they will never buy it and blah blah blah. It's like, don't buy it, go back to your basement. But i got to say, well done EA, and uh, let's let's uh, let's see if we can, you know, uh, if this this trend can extend to other sports that you know women play because we all know how many female gamers are out there. And, um, yeah. the, a lot of the, you know, I, I know a lot of female gamers who are also rabid footy fans. I mean, you know, they'll follow the MLS or they'll follow proper football, like the English, uh, English Premier League. So, oh, um, rabid. yeah, they're
0: rabid. Are they Marcus rabid, rabid.
2: Oh, one one in particular? I used to work with, uh, at ignition. Uh, she like me is a fanatic for Liverpool football club um and yeah i'm sure she will get her fifa on um and she, you know she'll she'll appreciate the fact that you know we'll have the ladies teams in there so yeah more power to them good job ea so i'm gonna say nice things about ea and that will probably be the last thing i say because they're you know i'll probably be really irked by the time their press conference comes
0: <laughs> so i guess i yeah that is i agree with you wholeheartedly that this is a great thing for the game uh unfortunately fifa as an organization as we've seen is is morally bankrupt, and uh, you know there's calls for boycotting anything that is associated with FIFA as a as an organization until they oust their uh, proven uh, corrupt. The president head. they just voted president. back
2: in. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so that's. Uh, I think that I'm a little conflicted there. I mean, I'm not a big FIFA fan anyway. As a as an American, I guess I was. You know, I was raised playing soccer, but I never got into the. I, I think the video game is very fun. It's just not something that I buy on a yearly basis. Christian, what, what's your feeling about this?
1: I think it's great that they're finally including more to a game is always good. And I think, you know, gender equality, especially a sport that is at times um, the women's FIFA, I feel like well, at least in America, because the women have been better than the men gets really, really popular. And to not have it included in the game for so long seems crazy Um I, I do feel like it's an unfortunate timing of events where they announced this and EA is, <laughs> EA has been, I don't know, man. First, Tiger Woods is officially gone from their golf game, right? No longer Tiger Woods, PGA or whatever it was called. And then I feel like they have this feel good announcement coming out. They're going to get women's teams included in the next FIFA. And now I feel like they just want to call it soccer or, you know, or football 2016. <laughs> right. Cause man, oh man. And if you don't watch um, John Oliver last week tonight, he did a, really great piece on FIFA, maybe a month or two ago. And then just uh, last night's episode was going back on FIFA. And uh, usually you can find those on YouTube or online somewhere if you don't have HBO. But I mean, it, it just oh, I, I for once in a, uh, in a long time right now feel sorry for EA with this because it, it is a bad time to be flaunting FIFA, you know, because <laughs> even yeah. not, on a well, video game show, we try to talk about it and you can't not bring up the stink.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, look, for them, they obviously wanted to get the announcement out before the launch of the, the Women's World Cup, which is taking place in Toronto, I believe. Um, and yeah, that, it actually, you know, this actually brings something positive. I'm glad they announced it because it kind of shows that if football, as you know, as I call it, football or footy, is the global game and it is played by more people than anybody else. And it is more important than these, you know, 15, 20, 30 corrupt bureaucrats who make you know they they make roger goodell look like a beacon of uh, <laughs> right. of uh, moral turpitude um <laughs> so yeah um yeah i look i'm i'm glad they've done it and look at the, the 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 less said about the actual fifa um i mean i, I think i tweeted out the acronym fraudulent idiots um finally arrested <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder so, if the uh, franchise mode this year is going to have a uh, bribery button. Push X to bribe. You know, <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, it's coming with a stadium mode where you basically yeah. have to uh, uh, accept as many briefcases as, as, of cash as possible before you can get planning permission for a uh, you know for a great big stadium that then nobody will come to ever.
0: <laughs> uh, Christian, wh- what would you consider to be your story of the week this week?
1: Well, I think there's some. Other big stories that hopefully we'll address, but I need to bring up the PlayStation 4 version of Ultra Street Fighter 4. Last week, I was so excited they had announced that they were going to be including support for PS3 fight sticks. And then the game came out and this game was, you know, Sony backed. It was Sony was putting money into tournaments to up prize pools. This was the definitive version of the game they're going to play it at EVO, 60 frames, 1080p. This is it. And the game launched and is just so so broken. I mean, you can see the pull the videos on YouTube from minor stuff like saying press start when the PS4 has no start button to bigger <laughs> issues like characters apparently seem nerfed that Weren't supposed to be nerfed. The uh, dashes don't go as far. Hits don't take off as much as they used to. And then huge glitches, uh, the guys, characters jumping across the screen, some characters having outlines when others don't. And it got so bad that Evo had to announce that they're going to be playing the Xbox 360 version of the game again this year. And now it's like a blame game between like Capcom released a statement. And I think, oh man, I have this stuff somewhere. What do they say? uh da, 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 da. <laughs> we are aware that some users are experiencing problems with the ps4 version of us or uh, well, you know ultra street fighter 4 which is published and developed by SCEA's third-party production group <laughs> scca and capcom are currently looking into the issues blah 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 but i like the way capcom's like we know there's a problem we didn't do it. <laughs> it was Sony and these other guys. Sony's
0: fault. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then Sony has put out a statement too, like you know we're working on it. We're not sure what the fix is between Capcom and our publishing partner. <laughs> and it's just like, what a hot, hot mess. Have you guys followed any of this? I know Jeff, you're not the biggest uh, tournament fighting game fan, but have you seen any of these videos of what's going on?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. Uh, it, the craziest thing to me is that Capcom's like, yeah, we um we told Sony we wanted to make a video game, and we said, hey, Street <laughs> Fighter's cool. Well, why don't you make a video game out of that? And so we had nothing to do with it, uh, which is bizarre, bizarre to me. It's like we just handed this over to them and they screwed it up. Um, Weird,
1: weird. I just feel like how this generation is kind of being known as the quote-unquote HD remaster generation. I just hope that the next generation of consoles is known as the generation of games that work generation. Like I just don't – I don't understand how a game – that was already out on other systems and already out on PC. I might add, can't work when it comes out on 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 PS4. Like th- this is this is crazy. Marcus, are you a, a fighting game fan at all? Does this get your blood boiling, or is it just another example of? People being dumb.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm not the hugest fighting game and and uh, fan and I've always been more of you know when I lean that way it's Mortal Kombat more than Street Fighter. Um, but I'll say two things. I mean, the first thing, the easiest way to get around this is go to a retro store, buy a Super NES, buy Street Fighter Two Turbo. <laughs> no patches. Yeah, I guess. No 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 latency issues. No you know nothing. Uh, no 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 major glitches. You can play two players uh it's actually really quite awesome um but i i, I will say i mean this is street fighter 5 is a sony exclusive later on this
0: year right yeah that's i'm good
2: sure th- yeah i'm sure this was a oh let's just get this out now we can continue to hype how committed we are to the franchise and how street fighter 5 is going to be amazing on the ps4 and it's going to be a system seller uh, and it sounds like somebody in marketing had this idea, and then said, "All right, the budget's fifty bucks and a bag of Twix, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> we'll get somebody to produce it and slap it out, and people won't really notice the difference." Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a huge me, misstep.
0: It's an interesting. It's interesting that if if they're playing the blame game to this extent, and here we are, as you said, Street Fighter Five is going to be in PS4. Uh, exclusive. It's like, what? what is that relationship? What's the detail of that relationship? You know, how is that being strained by this? It's so damning to have Evo say, we have to go back to an old version. I mean, that's the worst case scenario for them is, hey, this is the best version of Street Fighter you can buy right now, except that the people who play it best don't want to be playing it. So... They got to they gotta fix this. But you're so right, Christian. This is just another it, – it's almost not even news anymore because every <laughs> single game is broken. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? I don't understand it. And I don't understand how big companies like this can allow that to come out. You have to – how do you not know that
2: I, this I see, is look, like this? You know, you know who to blame? We, we actually have to blame Apple. Because Apple started this, you know, this trend of yearly updates and continually updating OS and got us all having iPhones and everybody started being able to accept connectivity and issue, you know, and then, you know, updating in the background and newer versions and every start, you know, there's a generation that are raised used to that. So they used to... You know, these HDs coming out, these remakes, and they're used to having games that need a day one patch. I mean, you know, us older types, um, and I mean people who were born, you know, before 1980. And uh, Mr. Spicer, I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing you're the same age as Jeff, which means you're 54. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, I mean, but I mean, we we went through, you know, Stick a Cartridge in, in the slot, it works fine. And then we went through the PlayStation 1, and we went through the 3DO, and we went through the Dreamcast. And none of these games, you know, there were games that were broken, but they were just, you know, we'd find the reviews and we wouldn't touch them. But now a yeah, game will come out. we bury them and in, it, in the
0: desert <laughs> is what we do with those games. And then, you
2: know, and then 30 years later, there's a documentary, and everybody <laughs> yeah. gets funded over Kickstarter. So, I mean, basically <laughs> what we're going to do now is I'm going to download this to my PS4, bury my PS4 somewhere, and then I'll come back in forty years. We'll do a Kickstarter. Jeff, you can you can basically be you know you're the attractive one, so you can stand in front of the camera and talk about this. And we'll we'll basically all retire. But yeah, I mean, everybody is so used to having things that are broken, and the only way to stop this is to stop pre-ordering. Yeah. Stop buying yeah. into the hype train. And you know, there's something that you don't hear very often. Is you know. Don't go and put your five bucks down. Don't pre-order. Wait until it comes out. Check the reviews. And, you know, the other thing is that every review outlet needs to start reviewing not the disk they are sent or the download code they are sent before launch. They need to hold their reviews until that day one patch is included, which means that the publishers lose out on that day one coverage because if, you know, they, they uh, the, the media has a responsibility to review the version Joe Public's going to play. And then all of a sudden, if those reviews are drying up day one and people aren't buying day one because they're waiting for the reviews and they haven't pre-ordered, then the publishers start to say, oh, well, these people who buy our games, they're not actually a piggy bank. They're not actually a cash cow. We actually have to start delivering stuff that works or otherwise we'll go bankrupt. Hmm. Yeah. What a concept. You I mean, know, fi- again-
1: financially bankrupt because they're already morally there. <laughs> Oh, oh, look, I mean, yes.
2: uh, There's a couple of good companies out there who who do, you know, good stuff, treat their staff well, treat their fans well. But unfortunately, they are the exception rather than the rule in this day and age. Um, Yeah, I remember as a kid writing to um, a company called Ocean Software, uh, asking if they had any video game posters. And they sent me a whole, you know, I didn't even send postage or anything like that. And they just sent me a whole bunch of swag. Just because, you know, this kid bought their games, you know, on the Sinclair Spectrum. And those days, unfortunately, are gone because we know it's the same as the movie studios. It's multimedia conglomerates owning pretty much everything, Uh, which is sad. I mean, you know, I'm now I sound like an old gaming hippie. This (laughs) This is what this is what my parents and everybody else's parents sounded like in the 80s when we were listening to, you know, punk or new wave or you know that the manufactured boy bands kicked in and it was like oh no day man the music the music was just it came natural man there was no electronics it's from the soul but you know we're at that stage now that the old gaming hippies are the ones who can remember it so i'm old now well, there's a lot of
0: agreement there's a lot of agreement in the chat room right now uh ryan K says that uh oh, well, games it's obviously a very what, what's that
2: it's a discerning audience in the chat room. It's a rarity.
0: Indeed. Indeed. They're fans of you. Uh, games. He said games uh, weren't shipped until they were fully tested. Now they plan on day one patches. It's true. I can't even remember the last game I played that didn't have a day one patch, which is a relatively modern thing that has that has only crept crept up and huh, crapped up. I'm my Freudian slip is showing. Uh, it's only crept up in the last several years. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna transition to my uh, story of the week, which is uh <laughs> is flies in the face of everything you just said because it's uh, a little bit of hype machiney. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a new game <laughs> announcement for a game that hopefully will not be broken when it comes out. Uh, we got a new announcement today, actually from Two K of XCOM Two. Uh, I was a massive fan of the first XCOM. Well, it wasn't really. I was a fan of the first XCOM, but the this, the sequel that we're getting today is a sequel to the reboot of XCOM from a couple years ago, and um, that game was excellent as well. Uh, this game, we got a CG trailer and news that, it, at least for the moment, is only going to be uh, released on the Windows PC platform rather than any consoles. I would predict that that will change relatively soon. If not, even at E3, we might get a console announcement for it. But um, they're saying Windows only right now. And uh, they're saying that this XCOM, story-wise, is going to come from a different perspective. Instead of XCOM being Earth's saviors, as you were in the first game, you're going to be more of a kind of an insurgent group um, trying to convince the planet that uh, aliens are bad and having to cobble together your resources and and uh, start from from zero rather than having all of, all of the governmental support that you used to have as an XCOM organization. Sounds cool. It's got new um, soldier types. Uh, there's going to be new enemy types, new combat, uh, and procedurally generated levels, which is really interesting to me because it means the game will not be a cookie cutter anymore. It will be every time you play it, the levels will be different. So uh Marcus, are you excited about a new Xcom yes <laughs> yeah uh,
2: yeah look i mean it it's funny though I mean talk about a game that you know came out of the uh, came out of the box original you know pc when they they did the you know the the reboot of the Xcom franchise um you know it the pc version worked day one it did. I don't yeah. remember any issues with the with the last XCOM game, which was you know i I remember we were weekend confirming when we were to uh, you know we were talking when it first came out and yeah. it was uh, all on our you know top ten game of the year list uh, deservedly so I'm looking forward to this one being uh, you know you're not as perhaps uh, constrained by you know the might of the military and um, it's got a kind of like X file vibe to it where you're a small mobile force so yeah and look more and more XCOM is uh, a wonderful. A wonderful thing so uh this is where you'd play the hallelujah music as far as i'm concerned in fact it's playing in my head
0: right now <laughs> um just to step back for a second i just noticed this uh comment in the in the chat specifically directed to me from space bob saying uh between when you record dlc and publish the mp3 wouldn't you like to change things levels noise etc that's what day when patches are yes but uh, I don't think that's the same thing as being done with something before you publish it. Um, and
2: do you charge for this?
0: No, I certainly don't. Well, I mean, most day one patches aren't. We don't, you know, none of but no, but you mean, do, the. But I mean, does does some does oh, somebody
2: right. have to pay yeah. sixty bucks? Uh, you know, for a subscription to to listen to the show? And look, I mean, you no, know, but that's a any... darn good idea. <laughs> you got you've got <laughs> enough money, Jeff. I mean, I've seen you wiping your backside with fifties.
0: Oh yeah, that's what I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail our XCOM conversation, Christian. What's your take on XCOM Two? Uh, hype train start? It,
1: it. I mean, we're in this place now where it is. It so ugh, scrambled. Here we go. My my. Uh, I I was holding my new daughter yesterday from eleven thirty at night until three thirty in the morning. Focus me. Um, backing up, starting at the beginning. Exciting. Yes, exciting. Yes, it's going to come to consoles at some point. I mean, it has. It has to. Right. The XCOM. The, the prior version of x Xcom, Xcom was great on consoles they did a really good job it doesn't surprise me that it will I think it will likely come later uh this pc one will come out first and then they'll spend that time and maybe some money from pc pc sales putting in um, console controls but the, the sad thing about this is e3 just is an e3 and the little kid in me that you know that opens up the n64 and goes crazy that guy just gets sad because it, we're in the world now where everything is getting... So many things get released pre-E3 because you got to create space so you can talk about it, whatever. Um, I'm nostalgic for the days where you just kind of went in blind and you were like, there's an XCOM 2? What the crap? And you're just freaking out and now everybody's just like peppering out the releases as we as we build into it to get coverage. Um, so that's the only reason I'm not uh, super excited, but why wouldn't you be excited for uh, many people's game of the year getting another... Edition of that game by the same people that made it, right? That seems awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: I, I agree. I, I think we can blame the internet for this. I mean, the internet's what? a horrible Not invention. Apple? No, no, this one's the internet. I look, I like <laughs> blaming lots of things. I mean, technology and stuff like that. But you're right. I mean, that you know, I am with you. the the first time, you know, I remember um, the, when I got my Game Boy, and I was twenty, I think, when the Game Boy came out, and I was, I, you know, I pre, you know, I'd actually put down my money. You know, to, to, to get one of the first ones in Swansea. And I was so excited that, you know, this, this you know, it had gone from the TV to this handheld that, you know, even though it was a gray screen and it came with Tetris and, you know, there wasn't really any other decent games out and, you know, for a couple of more weeks. But that's I, mean, I think it's a question, you know, for some of us, it's, you know, we're getting older. Um, and we have other priorities like dogs and children and mortgages and all that stuff. And we don't have as, perhaps as much time to devote to games as we, as we used to. Um, but I also think that, you know, it's become all encompassing with regards to promotion. I mean, when we were kids, you'd rarely see a video game advertised on TV. And when you did, it was like, wow, do you see that? Um, Now it's, you know, a video game is advertised on TV and it's blasé because you've already seen the ad 36 times because it's been in the YouTube feed of whatever video podcast you're watching, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's been, you know, rammed down your throat through Twitter and Facebook and everything else. And it's basically, you know, we've become somewhat, um, you know, desensitized, I think. I mean, you know, I, I have hopes, like I said, for what Bethesda will announce in a couple of weeks' time. But I mean, the, the the you know the part of me from ten years ago who would have been bouncing around the walls and who was bouncing around the walls when Fallout Three was announced for Xbox 360 um, is probably just going to be yes, I'm qu- I'm really looking forward to that. But it's all kind of calm, and the it's the the hype train has as you know careered off the rails and has smashed through so many stations and spilt its load all over everybody, and uh, we're saturated.
1: I wonder well, if there's just been, sorry, I wonder if there's just been like an alt shift in this. I, I remember my little kid story is when I walked into a Babbage's and they used to have the yellow board, like the dry erase board back with game listings. And I walked in and I was just looking at it and it said um, Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition was coming to the Sega. And I was a Sega kid coming to the Genesis. And I just walked in just to kind of, you know, kill some time. And I saw that and I lost my mind. I was, it's coming to Genesis! And just, you know, blew me out of the water. But then I wonder if today's announcement is like Dirt Rally just came out one day on Steam Early Access. Today, LEGO World is just out on, on, on Early Access, like a game people have been clamoring. Uh, it's like, like a Minecraft LEGO, talk about it a little bit more. But it's just out. I mean, I wonder if that's it. And, and it is, we're just nostalgic for these big, bombastic theatrical performances of this is the game and it's metal gear solid two trailer. And you're crowding next to a hundred other people to watch this 12 minute video in a conference in today's day and age. It's just like, Oh, Hey, Minecraft's out. Go eat.
0: All right. (laughs) Let me, okay. So I got to stand up and be the voice of, of, uh, Pollyanna, I guess. I know that I you guys are going to gang up on me and say I'm crazy, but I still feel those feelings. And I still I'm, I know I'm Mr. <laughs> Silver Lining guy, but I look at this announcement and I go, guys, there's going to be so much great stuff at E3 that this game has to be announced before E3. Like that's how crazy E3 is going to be is that there's not enough room for a new XCOM 2 <laughs> because it's going to be swallowed by all the other bigger stuff.
2: That's not you being silver lining. That's you just having drunk a little too much of the Kool-Aid.
0: Perhaps. With perhaps. the shrooms I, in it. I like what uh, Coconut Venom says. Uh, he said, let's blame the internet, says the magic voice emanating from the internet. <laughs> no,
2: I, and, and I and I responded that, you know, I'm very aware that, I, you know, that's the irony of of, of that statement. But, you know, and, and look, I mean, for people who've never heard my voice before and probably will never want to again, I spent 15 years as a, as a games publicist. I launched Ghost Recon. I worked on Rainbow Six. I did Black Hawk Down. I did Fear. Um, you know, I worked for a bunch of publishers, um, and you know, I was part of that hype train. The difference was that when I was doing it, I went for quality over quantity. Now, I mean, just look at Arkham. You know, the new Batman Arkham game. I was really excited when it was announced. I was looking forward to it. You know, I put my pre-order money down to get the cool Batmobile version. But now they're releasing two to three trailers a week. <laughs> it's overkill. And this is before E3. And now we're going to walk into over. I mean, I used to get so excited for E3 that, you know, I would be, you know, on my media registration day one. I didn't register this year. I mean, you know, Shane had to convince me that we we're going to we were going we to register and go because I, I'm so sick of everybody over promising and 90 percent of them under delivering. I mean, we'll see, we'll, you know, people will come out of E3 and we'll be, yes, so awesome. That was so wonderful. I saw a 20-minute cinematic trailer, which means that the game is totally going to look like that. And the game eventually releases three years later. And like, it didn't look anything like the cinematic trailer. So now I'm actually, you know, I'm delighted to know that there's an XCOM 2 coming. I'll be delighted that, you know, if we get a Fallout 4, I'll be, you know, quite happy with a lot of the other things you know Crackdown 3 and Fable are franchises I personally really enjoy and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on but I have a a, you know it's like my my filter is clogged with regards to the amount of trailers and exposure and information we get and I'd much rather we stop doing the spoilers type stuff and you know put the information out there you know what people need but save some save some of the tea's you know mm-hmm. actually just teases nothing more not like hello here we are open the coat flash everything at e3 and then there's nothing really to look for i mean it's it like spoiling every movie
0: people, doesn't seem to be what people want anymore i'm with you on that you know i'm i'm i've started the unsullied movement where i'm trying to stay completely unsullied on movies
1: on he's a good know? character on uncharted though
0: a sully uh, <laughs> yeah I no he's unsullied that.
1: that's game of thrones
0: <laughs> right. And that means I have uh, I have no genitalia. I know people have pointed that out. I still think it's a good word. Anyway, um, I like being surprised. I like being delighted, uh, especially in films. movie, uh, Video games, I don't see the need quite as much, but I totally am on that same page of you don't need to show me everything. But I think we are the outliers there because it seems like the Twitch culture wants to watch an entire game being played before they play the game themselves or instead of playing the game themselves. So – I don't, know, I don't know where that lies in, the, in the, the barometer of what to show before a game is released because it seems like people are perfectly happy watching start to finish something before they in- experience it themselves. I'm just not that guy.
2: Well, well, I, I think so, we're and let, let, me, let me let me just see if we can work out a correlation. Let's look at some of the you know the, the let's plays that go out there onto, onto YouTube and Twitch, where people play the whole game, and you will see these videos. They will rack up millions of views, and the mm-hmm. games in, then come out that have had these millions of views, and they don't sell the millions of units mm-hmm. because you've already seen it, you've already done it, you've already watched. Actually, you've already watched somebody else do it. So where is, you know, the sense of achieving what you're going to go back and replay what you've seen somebody else do? And this is, you know, one of the issues I have with, you know, the the Twitch mentality is that it really is giving everything away. You know, like I said, quality, quality over quantity. That's what we've got right now. We've got uh, we've got sorry, we've got quantity. We haven't got the quality. Nobody's being judicious. The best games are the ones that you gradually build the hype up for. And I think, you know, Bethesda are pretty good at this. You know, they've got people clamoring for a new Dishonored, a new Fallout, um, you know, the new Doom, but they don't go overboard. They don't show a whole, you know, 55 minutes of uh, of trailer from the, you know, from the next game. They make you want it. They make you work for it. And that gets people excited. So they will go out and put their money out day one. I mean, I think when I did Fear, um, I was challenged to basically go and and, uh, dominate the game spot top, top 10 with the game. And I was up against Doom 3 at the time. And I basically said, all right, well, we're we're going to treat, treat every single trailer like a, you know, a movie trailer is only going to be five of them. And we're going to do them at judicious times. And we're going to tease the information out. And we ended up being one of the biggest sellers of the year. We ended up being one of the best shooters of the year. We ended up, you know, we ended up dominating the GameSpot, to, uh, you know, top 10, which is what my bosses had wanted me to do. So I broke that system. Um, and I think I, I, you know, I personally think that's the way that people should do it. But now we have oh eyes now eyes now. Where's the Kotaku story? Where's the Twitter feed? Where's the hashtag? Why aren't we trending? And mm-hmm. that's the problem. You know, you can trend all you want, but it won't stick in the psyche. Uh... In one year, and out, in in one year and out the other. That is the way we're going today. So you know, stepping back, being more judicious, making more of a, of event. Uh, uh, you know, of of your your product build up. That brings some sense of grandiosity back to games because now everybody has a midnight opening. I mean, everybody <gasps> does the midnight opening. Everybody's doing the day one, you know, the, the the pre-launch DLC announcement. Save your DLC announcements till after you
1: ship the blooming game, please. If I'm if I'm cynical of Marcus, does that make me an optimist? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the, the the. I mean, what you're saying is anecdotally often correct but I also think it's not factually correct all the time because while you can pull out examples or that's the case in games you can also look at something like Bloodborne that sold beyond expectations it was a console exclusive hit NPD top 10 on its month of release gets a lot of people watching on Twitch and then you can, from a film argument, you can look at something like Scott Pilgrim, right, or um, Snakes on a Plane that gets this huge online buzz, and everybody thinks they're going to be huge because of that, or the Comic-Con buzz, and then they come out and fizzle. But the thing that we don't know, what's hard about this, these studies or this science, is had Scott Pilgrim not generated the buzz it generated at Comic-Con, would it, would it have launched as an even bigger turd of a movie and only made... $5 million at the box office, or Snakes on a Plane only made $2 million at the box office. So that bump in PR and publicity and buzz actually significantly helped the launch. You just don't know because we don't live in that world where that thing didn't happen, or Minecraft. Um, you know, that game gets tons of views online, and it's consistently an NPD top seller for the boxed retail version on Xbox 360, You know, not to mention what it's selling on PC and iOS or Android. And so I think it's hard because we live in this world where I I think where I agree with you, Marcus, is that we're the outliers. But in the sense that we see every Batman trailer that comes out, whereas as I was saying uh, a couple episodes ago, Sue in Nebraska or Bill in San Francisco, whatever, pick your average person, right? Um, my neighbor in L.A., it doesn't matter where you live, Uh, but that person only sees one of those, but you need to be saturated. You need to have tons out to hopefully break through and see Fred General person see that thing, and I think that's what we're trying to, that's what the games industry is trying to fight. Like, I want to believe everything you said, Marcus, because I I fall in line with that as well, but I think it's just an, an anecdotal explanation for things that we get annoyed with because we focus so much on gaming. Hopefully that well, makes I mean,
2: sense. I mean, it's anecdotal I suppose because, you know, again, you have to take my word for it but like I said, I was up against a game in Doom 3 that was having a lot more trailers and was having a lot more stuff and, we, you know, my the system i I implemented worked and let's go back to bloodborne for a second because bloodborne is the one that everybody brings out oh it's a huge success bloodborne peaked uh, you know went on the mpd charts top 10 month of launch and it, it did because you know it got the tv coverage and the absolutely stellar reviews and then the the last mpd that came out last week bloodborne wasn't in the top 10 bloodborne basically had one month and was gone Bloodborne is, uh, you know, a prime example of, you know, hitting the core audience, but then not going above and beyond. Um, I, I think you know, Scott Pilgrim, Snakes on a Plane. I mean, for every, you know, critically, uh, you know, super hype train movie uh, that gets a debut at Comic-Con, you know, there are some that, that will actually crash and burn. So, you know, w- you know, would they have done better with Comic-Con? Would they have done better without Comic-Con? You know, would, would people scared away from it because they thought it was a nerd movie? Um, I just think that if if we took a step back and we just didn't bombard, and again, I mean, especially with story-driven games, people are talking on on, on the chat room about Minecraft and stuff like that. Minecraft is a great game because my, Minecraft, you can watch a let's play, you can see, a, you know, watch a trailer or whatever, but people are creating their own narrative in Minecraft. You, you you download Minecraft on Xbox 360 or PC, you create your own narrative. But when I see games like Batman, like Assassin's Creed, like Watch Dogs, um, that have all these trailers that give away the narrative, the desire for me to actually then go and experience that narrative myself is greatly diminished and i think you know and, and i'm somebody who likes you know more rpg type games and you know the open world games i mean gta 5 gta 5 had coverage i had a you know i had a lot of coverage but that was based on the fact it was gta but they didn't really go overboard with a whole bunch of you know 30 trailers a week um and yes i apologize my dog is barking in the background he's barking at the mailman.
1: I thought he—I couldn't tell if he was barking in support of you or or calling you out and trying to support me.
2: <laughs> uh, he is four pounds of terror. He's a toy poodle who basically will bark at anybody who comes in comes to our zip code. To be honest with you, so he's a he's a special little chap. <laughs>
0: um, I'm loving this conversation. I do need to take a quick break because uh, we're over time to thank our sponsor, but we'll get back to this. Uh, I do need to thank Linda. Oh, Linda, for thank, for uh, sponsoring this show and being a supporter of DLC for the longest time, if you want to learn about things, if you want great quality content like the stuff we've been just been talking about, watching someone do something, learning how to do it, learning if it's something for you, man, Linda is the best place for that. It's an online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses that we can, it can help you do all kinds of stuff, strengthen your business, learn new technology and software, get creative on different skills. It, it's highly skilled, highly knowledgeable educators who know how to create a video. It's not just some YouTube kid who's trying to tell you how to do something. This is professional level stuff, experts in their fields, explaining things in a clear, cohesive way. And all of the videos are searchable, so you can get right to exactly what you want to learn. You don't have to sit through an entire course if you don't need to. There's transcripts, printed transcripts, so you can search exactly to the minute point you want that syncs up with the playing of the videos. It's awesome. And... The uh, courses are structured so you can watch them in any order and at any time. Just get the information you need. There's tons of great courses, including stuff on game development. So if you are interested in video games, if you're interested in creating video games, man, lynda.com is a great place to go to learn. 3ds Max, Maya, Modeling, even uh, Unity, beginning level Unity, all the way through Advanced. There are great courses in video game design. This is really, really cool. Photography, even like how to do your taxes. Everything that you might need to know on Lynda is available there. And we're going to hook you up with a 10-day free trial. You get your complete run of the site for 10 days. You can learn anything you want, watch any of the videos you need to, learn a new skill or get better at a skill you already have. All you need to do do is go to our URL which is lynda.com slash DLC. That's l y-n d a dot com slash dlc. This is a site I use all the time. If I need to figure out how to shoot something, I go and watch their photography videos. It's great. Lynda.com slash DLC, get your 10-day free trial and figure it out for yourself. It's it's really, really cool. Lynda.com slash DLC. Uh, yeah, guys, this is um this is the the problem, right? Is we have these these philosophies that butt up against each other. It's like don't don't show me everything, but and or you know, and also don't make me want to buy something on day one. But if I don't buy it on day one, then is the game a failure? Does the game have legs? Um I think that's a a, a tricky situation with this industry too, because there's so much coming out all the time that if something doesn't stay in the NPD charts, it's is it a failure? I don't know. I don't
1: know. I think it's what your expectations are and having and then having realistic expectations. I have given um IDOS or I guess whatever they are now Square Enix um, a hard time for their Tomb Raider expectations where the Tomb Raider reboot is the best-selling Tomb Raider of all time but they called it a failure when it came out, and it's kind of like, what What were you expecting? <laughs> like, how did you how did you expect that to be any better than the best you've ever done? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go run a mile. Oh, I ran 350. Oh, I wanted to break the world record. Now I'm disappointed. Versus Bloodborne, where it seems like Sony and From Software had realistic expectations of what a niche title their game is, and when it charted as an exclusive on the PS4, I think they were right to consider that a success. Of course, it also depends on budgets and and whatever, but um, it, it it's tough, man, because you want your game to be noticed and be talked about, but I think more and more games are being noticed and talked about for the wrong reasons, and I think where people are getting upset, and I think Marcus hit on a lot of this as well, is that what's shown isn't what's delivered, per se, and that's been going on for a while with bullshots, but in, you know now even a great-looking game like Witcher 3... There was a whole thread on GAF that was just, you know, put your Witcher 3 downgrade complaints here. And it was just people complaining about the game that came out it doesn't look like the game that was shown. And so it's this weird thing where Assassin's Creed Unity is shown to be this awesome thing and it's going to be great and it's, it's bigger than it's ever been and bigger crowds than we've ever had or The Division or Watchdogs, or Pick Your Game and they're showing all this content of this game that doesn't exist. And I don't think they're... They're just lying straight to our faces. I think that's what they want to achieve, but I think there's pressure from Mark from marketing or um, Paul from publisher or whatever, <laughs> whatever other dumb names I can think of to get in front of this message that they're releasing wishes, hopes, and dreams. And then when rubber hits the pavement, they put out the game that's as close as they can get in this time frame. And it's hard not to then be disappointed. And it's not nothing looks as good as Killzone Two <laughs> reveal trailer looked, you know, ten years ago
0: yeah yeah it's like trained cynicism, right It's training us all to, to not believe what we see and i for one want to get excited. I, I, that's what I am into this hobby for is to have that juice of excitement and get re- fall in love with these these games and and have a great time and then get excited for the next thing that I get to experience and the possibilities of great artists and designers showing me new worlds and new interesting play experiences that I couldn't imagine before. I don't look at it like uh, a political race. I know a lot of people do. I don't I, I look at it as a hobby and something I get excited about. If I get disappointed by a game, uh, I will be vociferous about it but I don't you know I don't expect to be disappointed and perhaps that's why I consider myself maybe a little Pollyanna but um, you know I feel like that's I just have more fun being in that mindset and that's kind of where I sit. That's just me. Let's talk a, – there's a couple of other big stories here um, before we talk that to death. I I want to talk a little bit about the fact that E3 is going to have up to 5,000 people attending who are just fans. Um, I think all three of us have been around long enough, going to E3 is long enough to remember when that got to its height, when it was just this crazy fan convention that anybody could get into just – the, the slightest mere uh, association with having worked in retail at some point could get you into E3. And then the pendulum swung wildly the other direction and it was cut off and there was that year – I can't remember what year it was, 2007 or eight or something when like there was not – it wasn't even at the convention center. It was all – it was like completely shut down and you only could go to meeting rooms and there was no show floor. Uh, and they were like, you know, they chopped the attendance in half and it was so many fewer people. And it was just like this dry, dead, sad version of E3, which actually was kind of (laughs) fun in its own way. Uh, (laughs) but it sounds like it's swinging back the other direction uh, to the days, you know, when I first started going to E3, was like 2001, 2002. And, uh, there was like fire breathers and, you know, an entire skate park built in and (laughs) massive bands playing, um, Marcus, I'm imagining that you have some strong feelings about this.
2: Well, let me just say I've been to every E3 bar one, which was 2007 in Santa Monica, where they put the games in Barker Hangar and all the publishers right. about, you know, five miles away on the on the strip. Um, I have seen every sort of e3 i have been through the atlanta um humid uh incredibly uh over you know uh horrible e3s and uh that 2001 that was that, that your first year um that was uh i th- was it 2000 or 2001 i think it was probably 2001 for you was it Jeff? i think
0: so it was either 2000 or 2001 it was one or the other yeah
2: yeah, we were right behind the um, the booth that had the huge skate park. It was my first E3 with Red Storm, and we were giving away these blinky balls that were basically <laughs> rubberized balls that when you bounced them, the, the lights went. And I got so annoyed with the skateboarders and the music, I actually lobbed one and caught one of the skateboarders right in the back of his helmet. <sighs> but anyway, um, yes, I don't. I, I think this is probably the the the, the daftest idea since um, the special editions of Star Wars i think this <laughs> is something. this is greedo shooting first on uh <laughs> on a video game scale with times Five Thousand. um and look i'm coming up with these analogies because i'm not i'm I, i'm not going to swear today i promise <laughs> that uh, you know otherwise i have to put 20 bucks in the swear jar um look i, I know the public uh and the, the hardcore fans they want to be at e3 they want to experience it they want to go and um you know see the games and be able to evangelize fantastic e3 is a trade event and we have we now have um 304 paxes a year um we have packs mm. north south east west in fact the PAX is are well, we've got as many paxes as we do kanye west's kids um
0: <laughs> and their names so we have that,
2: yeah. we, we have paxes we have gamescom <laughs> we have tokyo game show which have public days so you know I, maybe a public day is what we need for E3. Maybe we extend to a Friday and a Saturday and open it to the public, so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the press can get in and the retailers can get in, and we can see the demonstrations and we can write our reports. And the you know the public can then get in for a couple of days and see perhaps some you know some can you know some uh, slightly adjusted content. But it is e three, you know, e three has swung back from where you know the 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 very vicious version of two thousand and nine, I think it was in particular, um, where you know it was tough to get in. But I I tell you, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, I got more meetings done. I got more.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: <laughs> coverage. I saw more games than ever before. Uh, it was a great environment.
0: It was calm. It, you it, didn't. You weren't sweating and uh, annoyed because you were bumping into a thousand people trying to get between halls. It was there was, and it, I know that sounds like elitist crap of like, well, stay away, let us do our jobs. But I, the comparison between PAX and E three that's happening in in our chat room a little bit is is uh, I think wrong headed because they're they're trying to accomplish different things. I love PAX. I think PAX is a great convention, but it's a it's a convention it's for year. fans. Let's go. Yeah, we we should go this year. Um, But uh, E3 is, is doing something different. And the thing that doesn't make any sense about this happening now is there has never been a time in E3's history where it is more open and accessible to people. Everybody and their goat is Twitch streaming from the show floor. People will be periscoping and meerkatting. There will be constant access all the time from myriad sites across the world. And the fact that E3 needs to cram the show floor with 5,000 more people just to get them to tweet stuff seems crazy to me. They say that the attendance will be up 10% this year. And I remember last year and the throng of people waiting at the gates to get in every morning. It's just madness. And it doesn't need to be madness. It it would be great if it could you know let PAX be PAX, let these other shows be these other shows, and let E3 be this place where news is broken to a to a press core um I i know i'm saying that from inside the experience and those outside the experience want to be inside the experience but you're you're going to be able to basically watch all every single uh live event all the press conferences are going to be streamed that's not how it used to be and almost everything from the show floor is going to be accessible in some way also so you don't need to be there
1: but why why can't I, I mean what i see for e3 in terms of one trying to stay relevant or you know what it is cuz i was talking earlier how game releases you can manufacture your own release to some extent and get your own stage time and have your own trailer and not participate in traditional e3 i mean w- what's wrong with e3 being um for the fans on the floor and everything else is is appointment and you're behind You know, you're in the booth uh, getting um, appointments and tours and private access to things because I feel like doing that at something like PAX maybe feels a little off message because PAX was built for the fans and if you create you know special VIP area, fans might get a little upset because it's like, hey, this was built on our backs. But if E3 is built for press, media, whatever, retailers, but then they allow in general gaming public as well, they can keep that area separate. I don't think anyone would get upset that the you know call of duty seven or whatever is uh hands off or halo five is hands off for the public only behind closed doors you need an appointment and that's what the people there that are to do their job like how much of an inconvenience that's
2: how
1: it is that's how it is that's how how much of an inconvenience is it for you to walk through 10 more people to get to the booth to go get the time all right
2: christian all right you're a good man but yeah i know you're playing devil's advocate um all right it's not just 10 more people there's already ten to fifteen people at E3 who have no goddamn right to be there. I'm talking about the celebrities. I'm talking about the children of the VPs and the presidents who are there to, uh, with their twenty or so school chums when it's an you know it's an over eighteen event, and yet these spawn of corporate Satan are waddling through. <laughs> You and you—you know—basically, you are rushing from one uh, one appointment to another, and you have to go through a swarm of people lining up to get a muddy fun-stirring T-shirt that's being <laughs> lobbed out of the Call of Duty booth. And I guarantee you, these T-shirts are extra large because the gentlemen and ladies who are lining up for them will fit those very well. And you have to try and get through that heaving, sweating mass. To make your next appointment, because you, you also have to file your reports that night or record your your thoughts or anything. And then, of course, there's the other delight that's happened with you know the the addition of uh, people being allowed in who shouldn't be allowed in and will now be uh, you know accelerated to the nth degree cosplayers. <laughs> so you're now going to have to get past twenty or so people. Who bought a pair of Pikachu pajamas at Target? Haven't washed them since PAX Prime, (laughs) and think that they are the absolute bee's knees. So all the time, you you basically you know E3 is not is is kind of fun because you're getting to see the cool games, but you're also there to work, to earn a crust, to you know to basically put your thoughts out to the to the to the public, and that's why, like I said, PAX is perfect.
1: Well, I, I don't think
2: you know. I don't think the media should be going to PAX. I think you know. Let PAX be purely for the gamers. Let them come and enjoy themselves. The media should be doing the panels and having fun or whatever. But no appointments and stuff like that. Let the public play and and really get excited and enjoy the games. But let's have E3 for the people who are actually in the business of churning out the news and and, and, uh, and the previews and everything else. Um, I also think that this will backfire in one media in one major way. If the ESA. And the companies who want to bring these 5,000 people uh, to E3 think they're going to get Periscope videos and Vine videos and everything else uh, out of the show floor on any of those days. They are absolutely fudging mental because have you tried getting a cell signal? You cannot get a cell <laughs> signal at E3. You have to walk outside to actually you know, even try and send a tweet or anything. But obviously, that's the humorous side. But yeah, we're trying to do a you know we're trying to do a job. We're trying to make uh, make some money. We're trying to d- deliver the best um you know coverage that is possible. And there's certain things that have no place at E3, and the fact that it turns into a boondoggle for a bunch of other people who really don't give a damn they will happily you know block the gangways left right and center and will you know uh, walk up to you know push through a, a line of media trying to get into something to go up the front and say you got any t-shirts you got a badge Can you have a button <laughs> um, it's It's you know it it's not conducive to being able to do your job. And if the public are are kept out of E three, well, guess what? You don't need to go and spend as much money on your booth. Your booth could be a little more efficient. No, you don't need thirty six thousand firewalkers dangling from the roof covered in marmite. (laughs) You know, you don't need to have a uh, you know Cirque du Soleil doing an interactive uh, you know Xbox One experience. Um, You know. You could basically have the games, you can have the booths, and you can have the people there showing the games. You can have people playing the games, formulating the coverage, doing their interviews. It doesn't have to be as loud. It can still be. It can. It would be so much more fun for the media and for the retailers because
1: they wouldn't leave with headaches. Well, I wonder and they if would the get bigger the job done. I just, I just want to I say wonder...
0: I've missed you, Marcus. I've missed you. <laughs> Go ahead, Christian.
1: I wonder if the bigger issue, to some extent, is. The people there that need to get their job done to create the coverage and to do the interviews and the previews. I wonder if the bigger issue isn't the fans don't need to be there. It's the people they're doing their job don't need to be there because the companies and the publishers don't need those people to do that job. Like aside from personality driven things, a preview is a preview. Activision can release their own in-house made marketing thing and for them, it's better coverage to have Joe public screaming two days later, "Oh my God, I couldn't get cell coverage, but you need to see this new uh, map pack for Destiny. It's incredible. like that's worth more to them than setting the t- time to sit down with a respected uh, games journalist or media person and doing coverage with them.
0: Of course it but, is, but you're you're contradicting yourself now because you're that's not what you want, right? You don't want unfiltered PR speak. You want a filter. And that's, oh no no no! I'm so, I'm
1: not I, I'm not saying this is a what I want. I'm saying from the their perspective, the ESA's perspective, or or what publishers right, might want. Of course want. it is. I mean, for but, all we know, the publishers are the one that that clamored. They are the members that make up the the is it the ESA? Now I'm getting my acronyms messed up. But for all we know, they were the one badgering the organization for these passes to get. <laughs> I do like the Pokemon pajama person though <laughs> to get them into this thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, I mean, this is why I love Marcus. I, I I, don't want to come off as complaining that I have to go to E3 or complaining that other people get to go to E3. I'm saying that making it a bigger and bigger... I mean, there was discussion of moving E3 to San Diego just because the San Diego Convention Center is so much larger and would be able to handle more people. That might even be a, a better solution, although I don't want to have to commute to San Diego either. But um, the, the size and scope just is disproportionate to the location and the the necessity of getting from place to place and covering it in a realistic way. It, 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 there were years, as we've referenced, that where it was a circus, and I think this is swinging the pendulum back towards circus, and I don't think that serves anybody personally. But
2: that, well, so, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, let's, uh, let's go back to that point. You know, Activision can go direct to people. Uh, yes, they can. And they've been doing it. And let's face it there are a bunch of you know youtubers and there are a bunch of people out there who are basically taking backhanders to promote, you know to and that's how they're making their money to play games and offer tainted opinions for advertorials now if that's what the game's public wants and if that's what the game's publishers want well the games media will wither and die and a lot of people will say oh great yeah we can actually now go and trust so and so who's got his youtube channel and you know uh he will, you know he will basically do a 10 minute uh video of final fantasy 15 screaming how wonderful it is and blah 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 and then the games will basically start to hit and the the games will continue to be crap and they'll and eventually it'll be well hang on the youtubers lied to us what the the YouTubers or you know the the, the periscopers or the the personalities they uh, they're not impartial. What? Wh- wh- why? Why? You know, but we trusted them. What's going on? So if you you know Nintendo and Activision and Sony put out videos that lied to us. Let's go back to that Killzone Two demo. Let's go back to the Assassin's Creed, um, you know, demo from a couple of weeks ago. Let's talk about every trailer ever released. The media, and look, the media is not perfect. The games media has a lot of issues, of which I freely acknowledge. Um, The games media is meant to be this buffer, this filter, this almost um, version of you know this this basic um, thing that's that's supposed to present an informed opinion on video games because you know the media is supposed to be the experts. Now unfortunately over the last four, you know four or five years in particular, that has actually become less and less because websites are hiring people who are fans. And we're all fans of video games, but if you can't leave your fanboyism at the door, you've no right working at a big video game website in my, in my personal opinion. And I think this well, I think- is the this is the way we are going. The the media will basically wither and die because they're not being as impartial as they should be. They're basically bordering on you know the YouTube personality cult, and the the games publishers will want to push that more and more. And it'll basically be games get pimped, games come out, games are crap, people get pissed, they go back to the trough and the the hobby that we have played you know and loved for 30 you know 30 odd years will end up withering and dying because you know it'll just implode i
0: you, you may be right but i think my issue is is a little bit different i think that from my perspective you know i i like enthusiasm i like enthusiast press i i appreciate a a filter but i also appreciate the fact that this is a hobby, and I, you know, I, I turn to people who get me excited about games, and I want to get excited about games. My issue is more that it kind of goes in line with what we started this episode talking about, which is the idea that there needs to be this this trumpet sound, this incessant drumbeat of of uh, coming to release, and this pressure that exists of making things bigger and bigger and more bombastic and overpromising and 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 having everything crescendo into an opening week that tracks on NPD, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a microcosm of that exists at E3. And when you allow more people and you have a a need to shout the loudest in order to get attention, which is what E3 was in those years we're talking about, where you needed to build the skate park and you need to have the fire breathers shouting at people and literally throwing things at them to get their attention, I don't think that... Is better. I don't think that serves uh, anybody. I think allow having one convention at least where people who uh, are in, in the know and need to know about these things can have meetings with people who are creating the things and have a conversation that isn't shouting and doesn't clamor for the attention of the masses. I think could be a good thing, and let there be at least one convention like that. Anyway, I think we've uh, we've talked that one uh, enough as well, and I do want to get to uh, the stuff we've been playing because there's a lot of really great games to talk about. So uh, let me actually just thank our second sponsor before we do that, MetaCDN. MetaCDN gives you enterprise-level live streaming. Talking about live streaming, wow! You can have MetaCDN give you live streaming at an entry-level price. MetaCDN's super-fast network makes it so you can stream... Crisp HD Video, their global coverage of broadcast nodes and publishing points ensures that MetaCDN streams have very low latency. This allows you to engage with your user base in real time. Their players are not only fully customizable, but completely unbranded and mobile-compatible. What happens if you have an increase in viewers in one month? Don't worry. Your leftover credits are rolled over into the next month. MetaCDN cares about the protection of your content, so they give you the power to restrict your live streams to certain website domains. You can also serve pre-recorded videos through their content delivery network with no buffering. And on top of all that, they give you detailed analytics and just so much more. So visit metacdn.com slash 5x5 and use the code 5x5 for a 10% discount for life life. Wow. Metacdn.com slash five by five and that five by five promo code for 10% off a discount forever. All right, guys. Uh, let's move on now to the playlist. Marcus, what is on your playlist this week? Can I just say you have the sexiest jingles? Thank you. I have to, I mean, I'm responsible for only one of them, really. And even that one, barely. That was uh, Sean Madigan, uh, who is awesome, who delivered several of our playlist bumpers. So we have to thank Sean. He's awesome.
2: That, that was just, you know, I just had this sort of like 1960s beach vibe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, ready to cool. go down to the beach and crack open a couple of beers now. Um, <laughs> what am I playing? What am I, well, I'll tell you what I'm not playing. I'm not really playing anything on my consoles right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually playing PC. I'm playing The Witcher 3 which yeah. is um, you know a gloriously beautiful downgrade gate beast um, uh, you know um, experience. I mean uh, on my I'm playing on my uh, razorbread, Razorblade blade pro which is probably about 18 months old and i've got everything pretty much turned up almost to ultra it's a beautiful game it's such a beautiful game it's such a time suck so it's also very intense in a lot of sections so you know i find myself stepping away because i can't devote like six or seven hours on the run like i used to but the other game i'm playing is actually a freemium game (laughs) um i'm actually playing marvel heroes 2015 which yeah. is um, a game that obviously launched last year. didn't launch very well, um, but it's basically a Diablo-esque multiplayer, free-to-play uh, a game with characters from the Marvel Universe. And right. you start off, I think, with uh, you know 8 or 10 characters to choose from, and then you can unlock more. They release new skins. Uh, and it's incredibly stable. It's fun. Um, I can pop in bang out a couple of missions in 15, 20 minutes, level up a character, go and craft something. Um, You know, it really it's from the team that did Diablo 2. So they went off and set up set up gazillion. Um, So, yeah, that's the game that's actually I am enjoying because, I mean, it's not overtly in your face that you have to, you know, spend a lot of money. Um, I'm a big fan when it comes to comic books anyway. So, you know, I'm enjoying the Marvel stuff. I enjoy the DC. Which character are you playing? Um, I've actually, I've actually got a couple on the go right now. Um, Storm and Hulk are my favorite because Hulk is just insane. I mean, once mm-hmm. you get him to a certain level, you just bounce him halfway across a level and he lands and takes everybody out. And it's, it's really, it's, it's just fun. It's a great, lovely little, little, um, diversion. So that is something that if you, if you have a PC and you haven't checked it out and you have, you know, you mm-hmm. like Diablo too. I mean, uh, it's, it's funny that I haven't seen much more press about this than, uh, that that, you know than the game deserves so yeah i would definitely say uh, i would definitely try it out
0: yeah christian and i were talking about that a few weeks ago we actually had david brevik on uh the episode a while back back in april and um uh, we both checked it out we were having a great time with it too i liked it when it first released but there's a bunch of improvements now and, and i was i was playing captain america and throwing a shield at dudes and it's great i love diablo style games anyway i love loot games and um it it delivers all that Christian are you still playing that at all or you kind of phase it out
1: no I'm still playing still uh working through Black Widow I just I have grown so fond of Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow I think the smartest thing for me that they did for that character in the film universe is just have her not have ScarJo try to do a Russian accent and so yeah. I just wish <laughs> I mean maybe there is I haven't dove that deep into it if there's like a two dollar download voice pack where I could get rid of uh a weird I don't mind a good Russian accent, but I do feel like the Marvel's hero Marvel heroes Russian accents uh Black Widow is just like a little weird. It's like me doing it. <laughs> uh, I want a scar Joe voice pack
0: Awesome. Um Christian, are you playing uh Witcher Three? I saw that you finally got around to getting the console version of Witcher Three.
1: Well I've been playing Christian as a Hypocrite is what um I've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> that's your
0: favorite like one of your favorite games i'm uh, from what i understand
1: i play it frequently so I, I mentioned last week that i wouldn't be playing witcher 3 so now i found the way to have me play a game i otherwise likely won't play is to have a friend go out of town and mail me their copy of the game <laughs> with the note saying play this i need it back by friday or whatever um and so that's witcher 3 um mutual friend of ours uh blake sent it to me and um uh you know, so I'm not super far. I don't think there's any real spoilers from what I'm going to say. Have you um, left
0: White Orchard yet?
1: I don't know what that is. Yeah. I mean White I don't Orchard's know what that the first is. Area. Like the first overworld area? Yeah. So no, I have I am um the Griffin and I are friends. Oh, you're you're not you're not enemies yet?
0: <laughs> have you
1: have you been? we we're, we're yet? enemies as well. Yeah. We, we are we are enemies. Okay. We are we are uh, sworn enemies. But yeah, I empathize. You know that that Griffin had a had a rough uh, rough go. It was treated unfairly, <laughs> and it that's fled very its true. Mess-
0: actually, you discover a lot of things about that Griffin's personal life that are not too nice.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it had a, it had a rough shake. It did some some side missions. I think the most notable that other people have probably talked about, um, the woman in the well. Um, and so for me, yeah. I think everything you said about the game is right. This is just a. a two sides of a coin and gaming personalities like you love this type of game and if people are similar to you i think they'll totally agree with you for me i prefer a little more action oriented style of, of gameplay and while i feel like we're a lot of times where open world games falter for me and even though witcher is a, i'm not too deep into it obviously but is like a pretty story-driven game it's like this weird disconnect where there's overworld music playing all of the time that fits most of the scenarios. But then you'll dive into a conversation with somebody or, or, you know, start attacking wild wolves or dogs or whatever, and that music kind of keeps playing, and it doesn't the way a game like The Last of Us that is super linear, you know, channels your emotions through things. And I haven't found an open world game that can do that as well. So those are some of the problems I have with The Witcher. And then also just again it's my open world complaints where it's like you need to go kill this griffin but you know there's a bulletin board of random junk you can go do for 30 days first <laughs> it's just yeah. like uh it you know it's super it,
0: important it, to find your the, the woman you love she could be leaving town any day but my son uh lost hit a trinket in a cave could and you this go grab that games, too?
1: Hella dope. So let's play some cards. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the combat, I think I texted you, it, it doesn't quite strike the right chords for me. What I love about the Batman combat is the way you're able to move from enemy to enemy to enemy. Like, I think it captures groups, taking on a group of bad guys so well, whereas Assassin's Creed, I think, falters, and I think Witcher kind of falters, where you'll have four guys around you, and it's kind of cumbersome in the way that... Really? I, well, I don't
0: know. I I don't find that to be the case with Witcher. I agree with Assassin's Creed, but I think it's, it's not Batman level. I'll agree with that. It's not. I think it's, it's good. And I feel like I can, I know which guy I'm going to attack at any given time. And I'm dodging and and bouncing around. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think it's not as fluid as Batman and the one-on-one combat. Like it gives you a parry, which is kind of cool. And you're blocking arrows and, you know, doing fun stuff like that. But the one-on-one combat, isn't as good as Bloodborne's, right? And so it's like, obviously, I'm sure people are screaming at me, like, of course. What I want, right, is Batman hordes. And then when I go in against one dude, I'm playing Bloodborne. And and this game is huger and bigger than that. And I want a narrative story that's pulling me through and pulling at my heartstrings. But I also want it to be the size of California. Like, (laughs) you know, you want VR. I want a game that can't be made with 15 titans graphic cards <laughs> but those are the things that i'm bumping up against with the witcher but that said if you find yourself a gamer agreeing with what jeff says more often than not you will love this game i totally agree with everything you said about the game last week it just isn't for me
0: well i hope you keep playing it because uh, i'm certainly not anywhere close to being done with it and and i'll have lots more to say over the, over the coming weeks so you'll probably get sick of me talking about it but I do have a game on my playlist that is brand new. Uh, I've been playing, and the um, the embargo is up today. I think it comes out tomorrow. And that's the new Double Fine game, Massive Chalice, uh, which I don't understand why they named it that. I think it's supposed to be a pun. Uh, it's supposed to sound like Massive Phallus, I'm guessing, which I don't understand why they wanted it to be evocative of that. But uh, it's actually a really good game. It It is a mashup of... Things I love, which is XCOM. We, we just talked about XCOM. This is like, if you're itching to play a new XCOM game, download Massive Chalice. It's XCOM meets Game of Thrones with a little bit of Pandemic, the board game, thrown in. Uh, I mean, it is very, very heavily Game of Thrones influenced. But it, it's, like, got that XCOM-style combat, and you're managing stuff. But you know how at the beginning of the Game of Thrones TV series... The opening credits are this cool flyover (laughs) of, uh, you know, like a paperwork world of Westeros and the Seven Kingdoms and everything. Um, You're basically playing in that visual style, that sort of paper crafty world thing, and you're playing an overmap and you're constructing these houses that uh, you're sort of playing a god game version of Game of Thrones where you're, you're marrying people together, and they have sigils, and they have house words, and you select at the beginning of the game, at the very, very beginning of the game, you select like eight houses that you're going to start and populate your world with, and then you marry two, uh, you know, a matriarch and a patriarch together to create offspring that'll have the the... Uh, you know, it'll carry the house name forward, but also carry some of the stats that you've built up in those characters over time. And then there's threats to these nations, and so you have to cobble together a group of of adventurers and go into those areas and fight XCOM style. So you've got ranged guys, you've got hunters, you've got these alchemists that can throw potions, you've got sort of uh, cool melee dudes that use these battering ram type weapons. And you're fighting these crazy monsters and leveling up. And just like XCOM, if they die, they're dead forever. And you want to level up your dudes and preserve your guys that are high level because if they're dead, they're dead. But then you have this added layer of deciding whether or not you want to use those those leveled up heroes to create offspring. Because if you appoint them as the head of a new keep that you've built on your map... Uh, they no longer will go out and fight because now they're the patriarch of this of this new uh, land, and so all they'll do is pump out kids. But their kids will benefit from some of the XP gains and some of the skills that they've you've uh, you've you've won with them, you've earned with them. Um, so it's really cool. I I like it a lot. I mean, the combat is not as crazy uh, complicated and highly strategic as XCOM, but it has that flavor. And I think it, it does it well enough that I'm totally in and, and, uh, I love, you know, that same kind of exploration of not knowing what's around the corner. And do I send a guy off around this corner on a turn, uh, and he'll be completely isolated and vulnerable to the, the monsters that are around that corner? Or do I, you know, do I move my, my team as a team and sort of inch my way forward Really cool. And I love turn-based games. I love turn-based combat. I was pleasantly surprised by this game. And I think it's going to feed a lot of that fantasy that people have of living in the Game of Thrones universe where you're, you know, you're establishing alliances and maintaining, you know, all these houses through time. You, You... you play much like a uh, civilization. It also has some civilization elements to it. Much like civilization, you play over the course of like hundreds of years. And so there's births and deaths and events that happen. And then things will come up like in civilization where it'll be like, you know, you have this this crisis. How do you deal with it? Are you going to send people to jail or are you going to, you know, which removes them from your hero uh, hero pool for 10 years time, game time? Um Really, really clever, and it's got this fun sort of narrative structure with these two VO artists that are, ta- you know, coaching you through the early part of the game. So that's massive chalice, and it's from uh, Double Fine,
1: and really it's cool game. it's free for Games for Gold. You know, air quote free. It's the Games for Gold game this month if you're on Xbox Live.
0: Yeah, it's an Xbox One game. I think it comes out tomorrow. Uh, I was playing it on Steam, where it's also available there. Um, but uh, really cool game. Really cool game. Um, I would also be remiss if I didn't mention a little bit of uh, Heroes of the Storm. I know. I haven't talked about them a lot in the last few weeks, so I earned this one. comes out tomorrow, guys, for realsies, the real release of Heroes of the Storm. Um, So I just did a quick peek this morning, and uh, according to the in-game menu uh, for the beta, I have logged 657 games of Heroes of the Storm. So if you think that the average game is about 25 minutes long, some are shorter, some are longer. So I'm thinking the average is around 25 minutes. That means uh, I'm 273 hours in to Heroes of the Storm. Uh, I like the game a lot, as you can tell. And and it hasn't even come out yet. And I've I've played it for 273 hours. And you've been married
2: how long now?
0: (laughs) Yeah, less time than I've played. Right. Yeah, my poor wife, I know. She's like, you can go play your game. And by your game, she always means Heroes of the Storm. Um, So I have some things that I want to bring up about Heroes of the Storm. If If people are excited about it coming out tomorrow, as I am, and you want to get into the game, I was thinking, like, why do I love this so much? And I've, you know, I explained certain things on previous episodes about it. But I think... These type of games and this game in particular conveys a, a sense of teamwork that I've never experienced in games. I, I mean, I've played games that involve teamwork. Obviously, a lot of first person shooter multiplayer games do. Uh, Starcraft back in the day, I would play multiplayer. Uh, lots, there's lots of games of multiplayer co op games that you know require teamwork. Even you know, a lot of people are getting that out of Destiny right now. I have never experienced a level of teamwork like I experience in Heroes of the Storm, which is this double edged sword, because when it works, it is the greatest feeling. When, you know, I can land a stun on someone right as they're trying to escape and somebody else goes in for the kill, when I'm playing a support class and uh, my teammate, I see my teammate is being attacked, and I can throw in a, a heal at the at the last moment and save him, or throw a shield on if I'm playing Tassadar, or if uh, you know I'm playing a, uh, a an assassin class and I see somebody is out of position, and then I attack, and we all my entire team moves as one unit and sees that person is out of out of position, and and pounces like a well oiled machine on that player that got out of position. Or we, you know, execute a level of strategy as a team. It is so much fun. But the other side of that sword edge is that when people don't play as a team, when they play this weird solo game or they don't recognize... It's not even... It Either you're being selfish and you're playing solo or you're not even doing it on purpose. You're just oblivious to what is happening on the map. It's so painful and so sad because you know the, the potential of how this game can feel. And I equate it to basketball often, but it's the same kind of thing. If somebody's just dribbling by themselves and they keep getting the ball stolen from them because they're not passing it, uh, it it doesn't fun for the rest of the team. But when it works, when it's when you are a well oiled machine and and everybody is even strangers you're playing with are helping each other, and somebody is sees that you're doing something and comes over to help you, I've never experienced that even in other multiplayer games to this level. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of the perspective. Like, I don't think a first-person game, I can feel this. I know some people will argue lots of other games, and people say Counter-Strike and Destiny and all these other games. But for me, the fact that I'm trapped in my first-person view gives me such a limited understanding of what other people are doing at any given time that I feel like I'm in my own solo game rather than a coordinated team game. And because I'm in this top down view in Heroes of the Storm and because I'm sharing experience points with my whole team and we're sharing a level, you know, which separates it from other MOBAs. There is such a team camaraderie when it's working well. That is what I love the most about playing that game. And that's my book report on uh, Heroes of the Storm. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: um are you guys – either of you interested that it comes out tomorrow? Are you going to – either of you play it? And Marcus, are you going to play Here's the Storm or you could, couldn't care less?
2: I, I can appreciate the teamwork that goes into MOBAs. It's not for me. I don't have three friends, so I can't play these four-player games. Um, yeah, that's just not my it's, – it's not my cup of tea, but obviously there's a lot of people who are really excited about it. I mean there's the selfish part of me that wishes that Blizzard would basically – Stop fannying around with free to play games, um, and just release World of Warcraft 2.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I don't think World of Warcraft ever will need a sequel, it's just going to keep being iterated on and iterated on and still be the same world. But, um, I want,
2: I want to, I'd like to feel the same way about World of Warcraft that I did 10 years ago. Um, and it's, but you know, yeah. it's. Uh, Hopping back in now, it just doesn't feel the same. There's that it's not that thrill, even when you know an expansion pack. It just doesn't have the thrill of a new game. So you know, World of Warcraft or World of Starcraft that might be cool. Yeah, too. there you go. But no, uh, I think the the chat. Of, I think oh, it was sorry. just a one-off. Um, th- that game was a one-off. I don't think it can ever be replicated, or you know, hmm. um, yeah. that experience can ever. It, be, it will never be as successful. I don't think a World of Warcraft two would probably do it unless they took WoW one down, but. People are really excited for Heroes of the Storm, and more power to them. I'll just go back to play um, Marvel Heroes.
0: <laughs> uh, SpaceBob in the chat asked if uh, I got that same team feeling from MMOs. Sometimes, if you're in a in a great, um, you're in you know in an instance, and you're taking down a big boss, and you have to work as a team. But often, oftentimes in those games, I'm just sort of working my rotation, especially if I'm playing a DPS class. I'm just working my rotation and trying to maximize my DPS. And only if you're playing a uh, a support class, a healer class—is are you really conscious of what the other team, uh, other players are doing until they screw up? Right. When you screw up, you realize if your team is good or not good in an MMO taking down a boss, you sort of have to concentrate on what you're doing and play your role. And yes, because everybody is playing their individual role, it works as a team experience. But I'm not conscious. I'm not. I'm not taking in the variables of what my team is doing in real time as much as I am in Heroes of the Storm. In Heroes of the Storm, I constantly have to react and respond to what my team is doing at any given moment, and when I can swoop in and either save or assist uh, another player in some objective, it is really fun. If, if you can be the guy that comes in and, and kills that player that they're engaged with or saves them from dying or jumps in and gets a, um, a mercenary camp at the last second, stealing it from the other team, those moments... There's nothing quite like it, and I know others will say they have those experiences in first-person shooters. Just for me, I never have, and I love it.
2: I think I think our Jeff has a bit of a hero complex.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. You I know just, well, you
2: it's... just want to be save the day and be adored, don't you? Well, I'm going to give you a hug next time I see you.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I I will always take a Marcus beer hug. I I love them. Uh, Anything else you guys have been playing? Anything else you want to mention? Oh, Christian, you have something else, right?
1: Well, I've been playing with the Splatoon Amiibo three pack. I do not have the game Splatoon, but I did uh, participate in the game of actually getting Amiibo when they come out, which let's be honest, whoo, you know, that's a, that's a game. That's a game. But, uh. (laughs) I was playing the Amazon Amazon posted. I don't know if you guys cared or followed these at all, but they posted, they didn't do pre-orders and they just posted time, like time windows in which each one of the wave Four Amiibo would be available. And it was like two to two 30 Pac-Man three to three 30. Um, Ink Boy or whatever. And I was just like, this is crazy. What? This is so dumb. And then 6 to 6.30 was the Amiibo Splatoon 3 pack. And I was like, man, this is so... Uh, it's 5.50. Amanda, I got to go inside real quick. Can you watch Estelle for a second? <laughs> and I refreshed three or four times, and uh, they showed up. They're good, man. Uh, I'm excited to play the game. I have not uh, yet. People in the chat are like, Splatoon, Splatoon. I, I haven't. But uh, the Amiibo are you, you're gonna good. I'm gonna. I'm gonna.
0: Especially now that your Amiibo gives you extra stuff right i don't i don't know if these amiibo will be opened i'm part of the problem oh you are part of the problem you're not even gonna open them
1: they look so on my shelf right now they're next to my unopened copy of super mario 3 for the nes and and then my opened mario samus and toon link amiibo but then the color excuse me getting choked up the color palette of the box looks really good (laughs) it's got that 90s nicktoons look to it and it's right up there next to uh oh so they might uh, they might stay in, in. if I can find another <laughs> if I can find another three pack for retail, then I'll open one of them. Does that work? <laughs> oh no, God, you're
0: terrible. <laughs>
1: my name is uh,
2: Marcus, and I haven't p- purchased any amiibos.
0: Neither do I, don't Marcus. Own one? Yeah, neither neither do I. I don't None. need I don't need the amiibo in my you life. You don't
1: need you don't amiibo. I don't know. I sounded good in my head.
0: But if they made Heroes of the Storm amiibo, I'd be all over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, said, I'm look, still look, waiting. So saying that. I'm-
2: I mean, look, I've got Go ahead, the Disney Infinity stuff. I mean, I've got all the Marvel stuff and I'm looking forward to Star Wars, but I'm looking forward to Lego Dimensions. Doctor yeah. Who, the Doctor Who pack. Doctor Who finally comes to consoles in a hopefully decent game in the Lego <laughs> environment. So that's what I'm that's my money spent this holiday season.
0: Your, your little uh, your little Lego TARDIS is, is ready to be purchased.
2: Yes, indeed. The, the Lego TARDIS. Also, I mean, the portal, the fact that they're doing a portal version, uh, the Back to the Future stuff, Ghostbusters. I mean, anybody from, you know, from, from the, the born or lived through the 70s and 80s. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so daft. And I, I hope the gameplay backs it up. I hope I really do.
0: Yeah, exciting. Um, all right, guys, let's, uh, let's move on to tabletop time. But first, I do have to thank our final sponsor, which is Hover. Oh, man, when you have a great idea... You want to secure a domain name for that great idea, and you want something catchy and memorable to represent your online identity. And with Hover, you can find that perfect domain to bring your idea to life. And it's easy. You just search for the domain you want, Or you can just enter a few keywords if you're not sure about the domain you want. And Hover will show you the best available options and suggestions. They have a huge variety of domain extensions like .com, .net, .io, and country codes to best suit your needs. You'll get a smart control panel, built-in DNS, and you can even add custom email or Google apps if you want as well. Hover offers a valet transfer service to make it easy to move your domains for no additional cost, and they do all the dirty work to move your domain over from your current registrar. And to top it all off, Hover has real human beings available for support with no wait, no hold, and no transfer phone service. Man, that's lovely. Too few companies have that, in my opinion. And if you've got any problems, just pick up the phone, you call, you'll talk to a human being. So head over to hover.com slash 5 by 5 that's hove rcom slash 5 by 5 to learn more and get the domain of your dreams. Thanks to Hover for supporting the show. Hover.com slash uh, 5 by 5 Okay, guys, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Marcus, do you play any board games by chance?
2: Um, can you just send me all your all your jingles?
0: <laughs> we I've, should have a DLC I, download pack.
2: I mean, seriously, I was getting into that one as well. I mean, I had like an eighties <laughs> hip hop vibe going from that one. Um, do I? Play that one tab- is from
0: Zero Star. I should credit Zero Star for making that one. Thank you, Zero Star.
2: Oh, they're they're pretty damn awesome. Um, do I play board? I play board games. Um, I don't play the tabletop games. I've never really been the D and D guy or anything like that. I mean, again, I suppose it, it was. It was very a very American thing. I mean, I, I know a lot of my gaming friends in the you know seventies and eighties. They were playing the tabletop D and D's and stuff, and I just kind of went straight into computer games, and that, you know that was my my major thing. But um, my wife and I have started implementing game night once a week. And we're actually, nice. I mean, we're not playing anything, you know, like Risk or Stratego or anything incredibly, you know, daft and intensive like that. I mean, we're just digging through some of the old stuff. I mean, I got like Star Wars Special Edition Trivial Pursuit and Doctor Who monopoly, you know know, those those ones. But I'm just going to throw this out there. It's a classic. But we actually dug out my wife's uh, copy of Uno from Uno twenty odd years ago. So this is. Uh, actually, yeah, probably more than that. Twenty-five years ago, so this is full-on 80s style Uno. That's I mean, pretty it, rad. It, it's garish. It, you know, the cards are <laughs> just so colored and so eighties. But yeah, I, I got to say, um, getting back into just playing, you know, board games and having some fun is is uh, is is a great thing. But now, of course, you're going to turn around and embarrass me by saying that you're playing Tim Schaefer's latest board game, the Tony <laughs> Beta, and only three copies exist on the planet. And you no, know, it's, no, it's I like actually have.
0: I have two suggestions for you, for you and your wife. Uh, I, these are suggestions. Whenever anybody says um, suggestions for two players, and this is perfect—a perfect transition from Uno because these are sort of numbers based. They're they're a little abstract, but they have some theme. Uh, one is called Lost Cities, and the other is called Battle Line. They're both two-player only games. They're both actually made from the same uh, designer. His name is Reiner Knizia, and uh, they're both fantastic games. They play quick. And they're all about laying down cards and trying to win tricks in front of each other sort of like uno but uh, just a little more strategic and I I would highly recommend battle line and lost cities if you wanted to kind of reach outside your comfort zone a little bit
2: no, I'll, I'll, I'll give them, I'll, I'll give those a crack I mean you never know awesome. it might lead to might need to some fun but yeah I'm sorry I'm awesome I'm a dull and boring when it comes to the not movement. at all.
0: I'm, well, I do need to uh, I we got a correction from last week um from Dr. Hoff, hoff, Har, hoff Har, which is pronounced exactly how it's spelled. Um this is a uh, a correction from something that our guest last week was talking about. He was mentioning the um the uh, the game Betrayal on House on the Hill and he was kind of disparaging the new version uh Dr. Hoffahar in the uh, subreddit said that the original version of the game was released in 2004 by Avalon Hill, and the reprint of the game was published by Avalon Hill in 2010. The component quality of the 2010 version was subpar, uh, which caused a lot of complaints, and the 2010 version was reprinted to improve the component quality. But the 2004 version was probably the best component quality of the bunch, and it's uh, not significantly better than the newer version. 2010 copy so some of the stuff that our guest last week was saying about you know hunt down the 2004 version might not necessarily be the case uh he says that um the uh the game plays really well he likes it a lot but you do not need to have to hunt down that 2004 version to play it or pay any extra he said the 2010 version is actually excellent so good good correction um Thank you for sending that in. We appreciate it. Uh, I had only played Betrayal and House on the Hill once, so I didn't have much much input on that. Uh, One of the games I did want to mention today, simply because we didn't really talk about it, but uh, Nintendo had a big, um, well, a, a mini, I should say, a micro... Nintendo Direct. They were calling it Nintendo Direct Micro, mostly because it was talking about 3DS games, smaller games. And one of the games that they mentioned coming back is a game that I used to love called uh, Dr. Mario. Uh, They have a new version, Dr. Mario Miracle Cure, coming for the 3DS, which made me think of Puzzle Quest, or not Puzzle Quest, Puzzle Fighter, Puzzle Fighter, the um, Tetris esque. Game where you are playing two players and sending gems to the other side and trying to destroy the other player. I loved that game. I played so much of that on uh, the original Game Boy or Game Boy Color or one of those. Anyway, it reminded me of a board game that uh, came out in two thousand. Ten, I want to say. Uh, it also has multiple versions. There's a third edition that just came out last year or the year before. It's called Puzzle Strike. It's from Serlin Games. A Serlin, David Serlin is this designer who sort of created a universe of characters and then made a bunch of different kind of games. It's kind of like what Capcom does uh, with their games. He created a fighting game called Yomi, which is a, a two-player card game where you put. It's almost like it's almost like war, but with characters. Uh, a little we, more complicated than war. We, you and I played it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So the same characters from Yomi, these same fighters are in this game, Puzzle Strike, and Puzzle Strike is a board game version of Puzzle Fighter, where you're sending gems to another player and trying to fill up their screen. You know, in this case, they're you know what's in front of them, uh, and if you can fill them up with too many gems, they they explode and they die, and that's you win. Uh, so this is done on a tabletop. And it's done with a mechanic very similar to Dominion or any other deck building game where you start with a a few uh, chits in this case, not cards, but chits that you throw into a bag and you mix up those bag and then you reach in and randomly pull out a few chits on your turn. And then you can use those chits to either buy more chits from a central pool to add to your bag for more potential plays in the future or use those chits immediately to do certain actions, which include... Creating gems in front of you, then combining those gems together, and then sending those gems to your partner to create a bunch of chaos in front of him, just like you would in Puzzle Fighter. It works really well. It's a really fun game, uh, and it's something that's in my collection that I haven't talked about, I don't think, ever before on a show, um, so I wanted to mention it. Puzzle Strike, uh, it plays actually, I think, up to four players, but I find it best with two, but it, it's a board game version of Puzzle Fighter, and it works really, really well. It's very clever implementation. So check that out. Puzzle Strike from Serlin Games. All right, guys, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have our parting gift coming up, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, Marcus Beer, my friend, thank you so much for, for sharing your insights and uh, your time with us today. Uh, where can people follow your exploits if they are so inclined?
2: Um, first of all, it, I didn't swear. Do I get a prize? You do. <laughs> you do
0: indeed. You, uh, you are champion of the day.
2: Okay. All right. That's cool. I can wear my <laughs> champion pants now. Yeah. Um, you, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Annoyed Gamer. And then uh, feel free to, to go and take a look at Sifted.net and uh, check out our, uh, our Game Face show. Uh, the next one will be on Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Sifted Twitch channel. And that will be me and Shane. And um, there will be swearing, I'm unfortunately. So, <laughs> so uncultured. You so, can
0: make up for all the not swearing you did today on that show.
2: No, it was kind of it was kind of nice. It was kind of challenging though in the three round was like
0: what can I do <laughs>
2: But no, thank you very much for having me. it's it's been a it's been a fun two hours. Wow,
0: awesome. Yeah, yep. thanks a lot. And uh, Christian, what about you what's going on this week?
1: Uh, so I am on Twitter at Spicer and then this week is uh, well today Monday if you're listening to this is the season three premiere of Devious Maids, which is a, it was a backdoor spinoff from Desperate Housewives over on lifetime i mention it because my writing partner and i um wrote episode 10 and there is a season arc uh, mystery season long mystery so if you want to see that um tonight is the premiere thanks dude and uh thursday is sketch melt at nerd melt if you're in la and friday is trifecta um, which is stand-up sketch and improv at ucb sunset also in los angeles what about you
0: well, I've got We Have Concerns this week, uh, as usual, although we are one fewer episode, only two episodes this week because Anthony Carboni is still on his honeymoon. Uh, and his television show debuted last night, so if you should probably check that out. It's on the Weather Channel. It's called Three Scientists Walk Into a Bar. Uh, but also check out our show, wehaveconcerns.com, and uh, listen to me talk about movies over at the slash filmcast. That's at slash filmcastcom Also, and you can follow me on Twitter, as usual, at Jeff Canato. That's spelled with two N's and one T. All right guys, let's wrap this show up with a quick little parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this
1: week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift.
0: Parting gift is where we give you a suggestion that may not be a video game, something that carries you through the week. Marcus, do you have anything to suggest to the audience that uh, that they view or read or experience?
2: Well, uh, I would say that uh, the awesome Ernie Klein's new book is coming out soon, Armada. So, if you haven't read Ready Player One, and I'm sure there are a few people who haven't read the awesomeness that is Ready Player One. I would definitely go and uh, lose a few hours in that one. Um, Armada's not a sequel. It's, uh, it's more of a homage to The Last Starfighter, and I guarantee Ooh. you it will be way more entertaining and uh, geek-friendly than Pixels, the Adam Sandler movie, will ever.
0: <laughs> so that's Ready Player One by Ernie Klein and Armada coming up from Ernie Klein as well. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a Parting gift.
1: Yeah, the good news about having an infant is uh, watching, catching up on TV shows. And we've mentioned them both before, but I think they bear repeating. I finished Bloodline, which is on Netflix, it's a Netflix series uh, with Kyle Chandler as one of the leads and great, great, great. You had touted its, sung its praises before Slow Burn, worth watching. And then I also caught up and finished the first season of Better Call Saul. What a fantastic show. Only 10 episodes in season one, but I really, really, really enjoyed that show. So check them out.
0: Yeah, a uh, special thanks to Ryan Kay in the chat room for Plus One to Traveling in Space. That's my audiobook. You can always check that out if you want to listen to a cool audiobook about space and science fiction. Traveling in Space by Stephen Paul Leva. Uh, but my parting gift is a show on Netflix that I would never have watched because it has the worst title in the history of television. It's called Scrotal Recall. There's no I, reason I, I just
2: started watching watch that. that last week.
0: It's good, right?
2: It's a, it's a British comedy and it's right. really funny.
0: Yeah, but I would never watch a show called Scrotal Recall. That's the worst title ever. But ignore the title and take our word for it. It's a British comedy. It's really charming. It's really funny. It's got a funny premise. Basically, this guy gets an STD and needs to tell all the women he's been with that. Um, so the title makes sense. It's just a terrible title. But it's clever and it's funny and it's got some great characters. Um, so that's on Netflix. Uh, you can stream it now if you like alright that's gonna do it for this episode of DLC we really appreciate you listening Uh, thanks to Marcus Beer Christian Spicer all the folks at 5x5 our folks in the chat room especially I gotta say thank you to Mims who spent the entire episode only giving comments in DLC acronyms so uh, kudos extra points for that I noticed and I applaud sir Thank you for listening to our show. Hey, why not give us a review on iTunes? We love those five-star reviews on iTunes. It does help. Also, what helps? Telling a friend about the show. Do that. Help spread the word about DLC. We will see you next week, Mondays, 11 a.m. Pacific time. We are live. You can always listen to us then. And until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.